Here we go. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is none other than Ron Kramer. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Ron at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love, and some great new artists I just can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave. Shine 
chain on the last straw. Pawn in the blame, I dig it, it Look what the cat dragged in.
you realize how could there possibly be this many blues
time Now he comes so often I'm beginning to think he's mine Well he's yours, he's mine, he's somebody else's too Say he's yours, he's mine, he's somebody else's too And if you don't mind I'll take him clean away from you Now that man rocks me Rocks me with one steady roll Steady rocks me, yeah With a steady roll And when he rocks me, Lord He satisfies my soul Better tie him to your side Well, if that's your man, girl You better tie him to your side Cause if he flags my train I'm sure gonna let him ride Now don't prove about me And don't run around When it comes to good love And he can really go to town That's the truth I declare I wouldn't lie If I don't love my baby Gee, I hope to
If I don't 
that you need love too I'll spend my life making up to you independent artist or a fan that loves them making a scene.org is the place for you for the music fan we bring you in-depth interviews and cd reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music for the independent artist we bring you articles on music business recording techniques gear reviews and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Ron Kramer. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Thank you. 
That was the Ron Kramer Trio from their brand new release, and we got Ron Kramer on the line right now. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Richard, I'm doing terrific. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Now, um, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know an artist, and the best way to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Ron Kramer. Uh, I, I'm originally from the Trenton, New Jersey area. Uh, and I had a five-piece band uh, that I started in 1995 and played all around New Jersey, a little bit of uh, Eastern PA, and a lot of steady work. Uh, had great people in my band uh, really terrific musicians. I always said that for 15 years, I was the worst performer in my band because these guys were really just so great. And it was a uh, learning experience for me. I came at things uh, a little backwards from a lot of musicians. Uh, I've run into many guys who start bands at, you know, teenagers, uh, 15, 18, things like that, and they've been going nonstop. My first gig, I was 35 years old. So I went the uh, I went the opposite way. I did some uh, corporate, some computer work, things like that, and did some uh, some work on the side, some bartending, some some fitness. But I got locked into the blues in college. It was about 1980, and it grabbed me, and it has not let me go ever since. So no matter what I was doing, I always found time to to practice, put some time in, and just and just learn uh, just learn the music. And uh, and then finally got to the point where I found some players. We got a band out, and 1995 was the first gig, and I've been going steady ever since. Uh, I'm down here now in Sarasota, Florida. I've been down here since uh, the very beginning of 2010. Um, I <laughs> I was doing the side hustle, uh, you can say. Uh, I was doing a corporate job, doing the band on the side, doing some fitness, and finally decided that it's time to pursue the things I most enjoy, which was playing music and, uh, and doing some personal fitness training on the side. So, uh, so I've been doing that steady since, uh, really since 2001. Okay. And after about, after about nine years, I decided that I can do this in a much warmer place than Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I had a buddy who would move down to Florida and I stayed in touch with him and finally decided I'm picking up, I'm leaving, I'm taking the dog. We came down and I set up shop, so I've been in Sarasota now for 12 years. Nice. Now, let's talk a little bit about your process as a songwriter-composer. Um, when you begin that, uh, what is kind of your mechanism that um, allows you to kind of get tap into your muse? It's actually an organic process, I would say, that comes from the players I'm playing with. Uh, we develop things on a gig. I'll, I'll, I'll think of a, of a riff or something will come to me, and, and we'll lay it out. My rhythm section that I work with now is just so tight. Uh, it sounds great instantly, and we'll, and we'll work on that. We'll do a few gigs, and all of a sudden, we've got a song out of it. I don't think we've I don't think we've had a a songwriting session where we've done stuff that wasn't on a gig. We're we're always creating on a gig, 
Um, and after a year of doing that, that's when I found, I, I found it was that, that was the point to go into the studio. Uh, everything was just going so smooth. It was tight from the word go. And that's, that is when I know it's time to go to the studio. I did one, one CD uh, prior to this, and that was when I was up in New Jersey. And it came from the same thing, where we had a good year, same lineup, playing together. And that was the time when I really felt comfortable that once we get in the studio, if we can just capture in some way what these gigs have been like, we'll be in good shape. So uh, we, did that. we did that on my first disc, and I think we did that on the uh, disc that we just released. Okay. Now, um, what was kind of your idea for this particular release that prompted you to kind of go with this instrumental kind of uh, approach? Well, part of it was out of necessity. It was um, the the band, the trio that I have now, I put together uh, really just before the pandemic started. It was 2019, and we just started picking up a, a good bit of work. Everything was sounding better. And then there was the big shutdown for about three months. So once once we got back out, then it was then it was just time that everything really started to come together. Uh, it, it, we we just had it, we, we were working with a trio that I thought we could add to, and I really kind of took on the process that my bass player uh, had used before. He has a terrific uh, sax and B3 player out of Nashville. And he said, really, let's just, let's just lay down some tracks that we've been doing at the gigs. We'll send them out to Nashville. And, and this guy, Reggie Murray, who is an, an absolute star, just put some terrific work on it. We, he came out and they did gigs with us, and so we were, we're all familiar with what, what we could do together. But we knew once we sent this stuff out to him, that he would just deliver, and and he did. It's he doubled up on a lot of things that I was doing, and it made me think when we were in the studio that we we're going to be adding to this. So it kept everybody in the mindset to think like a five-piece band when you're playing as a trio. Yeah, leave leave space for two other two other instruments, and and we kept that in mind. And so uh, yeah, that's that's the mindset we went in. We went in as a trio knowing the product was going to be a five-piece. Okay. Now, um, you know, every songwriter has their toolkit. Uh, and, you know, some songwriters like to use their cell phone to capture ideas. Others have, like, a recording studio at home so they can lay out structure and kind of write to that. What, what are some of the tools that you have in your toolkit that you find indispensable when you guys sit, get together and write? Well, what, a, well, a couple of indispensable things, really, online is uh, is just YouTube and just getting ideas from that and and watching just the guys who are the top-notch performers out there and seeing what they're doing and kind of just getting a, just getting ideas of of way, the way the best bands are working together and uh, and just really trying to emulate you know things that you see like that and even going all the way back to big bands. Uh, what I did over the past couple of years was focusing in on a lot of uh, uh, big band work, Count Basie, uh, Duke Ellington, things like that. And really, they're doing blues, just swinging it up and jazzing it up, which which is what we do. I always say we're doing 
jazzy swing and blues. Uh, the stuff that I the stuff that I take is coming really when you go back. It's coming from that era where jazz, swing, and blues were all were all in the pool together. You know, it was before it was before there was a big you know divide and different you know, sections of the blues or sections of jazz or whatever. They were all they were all in the brew together, and that's when I go back and listen to the, the favorite things that really strike me. That's that's really what grabs me. It's even T-Bone Walker with his uh, with his style has that swinging that yeah. swinging jazzy blues. That's yeah, that that's West what always grabbed me. Yeah, it's that it's that West Coast sound. But to be honest, the first thing that grabbed me about that style of blues was uh, was the Almond Brothers and Fillmore East, and you get you get their version of Stormy Monday, which I mean, there's such great blues on that album, front to back. Yeah. But that song, there was there was something about that song that just really, really grabbed me from start to finish. And I felt myself moving to songs like that. And then you find out you find out that's uh, you know a T Bone Walker tune. And then you you go into B three players and you get to Jimmy Smith and things like that. So it's uh, it's been such a great learning process, you know. I've found it, the, the more you know, the more you don't know. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, having a song, you know, of course, gives you something to say, but musically, but going into the studio creates the identity of the song. Um, and that is an art form in itself. When you get in that environment, what is kind of your your process that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for? This was, this was something I, I had not spent a lot of time in the studio. Uh, my first CD was... We came out in 2000. So I hadn't had a group together in the studio where I'd spent a few days working with it until uh, it was June of, uh, of last year. So it was, it was really, it was exciting for me. It, I, I took it on as a learning process, and I really tried to learn from the two guys who, I was, who were in my trio, um, uh, Michael Finley of Brushes, uh, Greg Gimone on the upright bass, who are veterans of, uh, of recording uh, in general, all different styles of music. Uh, Greg, when he, when he was in Nashville, was the house bass player at one of the studios there and was either working or touring. So I, I really relied on them and, uh, and kind of their hints and tips. And, you know, uh, if, if, we, if we were doing things the right way and I would look over and I could see them smile and I knew we were we were hitting the right groove that we were looking for. So uh, it's really just keeping an eye on the guys uh, because we're all in the studio at the same time, the three of us, so why you know, just see everybody's face and to hear it was all live at once. So uh, I really enjoyed that. The first CD I did was the same thing. We're all in the room at the same time. You know, we could feed off each other, you know, the way we do it again. Okay. Now, um, once you get this together, of course, you have to now create your team and get it out there to radio and to press and create your buzz. Uh, and you're working with Betsy Brown from blind raccoon. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Well, I was introduced to Betsy, uh, through Greg, my upright bass player who, who has used Betsy before uh, for some of his releases, uh, that he's done. And she's top notch. And he just said, go with her. And so it was funny. I, when I called Betsy and we were talking, and she was, I guess, she was making maybe making her pitch with her. And after a little bit, I said, "Betsy, 
Greg already told me that I'm going with you, so you had me at hello. <laughs> so she got a kick out of that. But but really, I I I've checked on her uh, on her site the testimonials that from so many bands who are just so happy with the work that she's done and the legwork. This is my first time dealing with her, and um, over overly impressed. Just it's incredible the amount of stuff that she does, and that she sent me a list of things that I can do that'll help get the music out. Um, anytime I, I email her, she's right back uh, with an answer and, and another suggestion. But she's terrific. I'm I'm, I'm totally pleased with her, and uh, and hopefully we'll get to work with her in the future. And big congrats to her. I just saw that she's working with uh, with Buddy Guy's new release, and that's the sixth time she's working with Buddy Guy. So if she's, if she's okay with Buddy Guy, she's okay with me, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Now, um, you know, uh, the music industry has changed over the last 25 years, you know, dramatically because of the digital revolution. Um, and, you know, the elephant in the room here is that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. Um, yes. You know, it's a, and it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you think about it, for the price of less than what a CD costs, you know, you can have access to pretty much everything that's ever been recorded in the last hundred years. Um, yep. And, you know, the consumers are, are listening to music differently. It's not that tactile, you know, um, experience that, you know, I grew up with. And one of the um, results of this is that the consumer no longer looks at recorded music anymore as a product. It's not something to purchase. It's now a service. They expect it on their phone. Um, if they hear about an artist, they, they look them up on Spotify if they don't find them, then they become irrelevant and they just move on. If they do, then they go through the catalog, they find what they want, they add it to their playlist, and then they move on from there. How has right. this shift by the consumer affected you as an artist? I am, I am about to find out about this firsthand. Our CD... Uh, Sarasota Swing, it gets released uh, digitally and online uh, September 23rd, a week from this Friday. So uh, I'm about to find out how uh, how, how my efforts are going to pan out with with online sales and streams and all of that. This is uh, this is going to be very interesting. I um, uh, you always, you're told now that you're going to make your your money back on your CD. At your gigs, uh, people are going to purchase them there because they're just going to somehow try to get them for free online. And so, uh, going into this process, you, you almost, from an artist standpoint, you, you almost think of that like, boy, I'm, I'm just kind of going to get hosed on the digital end, and I hope I can sell enough CDs that yeah, you can you can make enough to to go out and do another one like that. Um, interesting situation for us. We're we're we don't tour. I've got a, I've got one guy who's a teacher here. Another guy is in Nashville. So we're not going to be touring behind this. So we're kind of counting on the, uh, the digital presence and, uh, and <laughs> really anxious to see how that, how that turns out. Um, it was a major reason I went with Betsy too. Um, 
just because she she's the best at getting the word out. So, so this is going to be interesting how the, how this plays out because I know monetarily what I put out for it, but it's uh you just you're curious to see how how people are going to go for it this way. Well, you know, if you really look at it logically, I mean. Um, if you go to Best Buy and try to find the CD player section, you know, good luck. Um, go buy right. a new car and see if you get a CD player in it. And you're not. You know, everything is Bluetooth. Everything is geared towards streaming. And if you look at streaming as a business model for independent artists, for musicians, the amount of revenue that's being generated towards the artist um, is is not sustainable i mean we cannot no. continue to look at independent artists and say hey we're going to pay you next to nothing for um for the content for our site um and you're just going to you know continue to make content as you know even though it's extremely expensive to go into a studio and record these things so if it's, independent it's artists true. can't break even, at least break even, there's no incentive to continue to create new product. Um, what do you think needs to happen to, to, to kind of right this ship a little bit and bring us back to some sort of normalcy? Well, you know what? The, uh, the pandemic really kind of moved that, moved that problem right to the forefront. Uh, because because bands couldn't tour. I mean, we uh, we were so lucky in that just by the fact that we were located in Southwest Florida that we could play out in sunny weather. But there's so many bands that they didn't do a thing that they were getting their money from whatever they could somehow do with a tip bucket set up on Facebook or something like that, and it's just brutal. It really seems like there 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 has to be. There has to be enough for the artist to at least somehow live off of, uh, or else, you know, or else the art doesn't sustain. Right. It's, uh, and, and this is it's so it's so important. And I think and I think while people were locked up, they they realized how much they missed it. They they missed the music. So it's it's a combination of, of really you know really getting enough money behind behind the cause. Uh, and just trying to maybe level that playing field in some way. There's a lot of money being made in the, in the music field, I think, but I don't know if the artists are getting the large enough piece of that pie. Well, you but, know, but like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn digitally in a hurry. I could, I could be talking to you in six months and say, yeah, my board still says nothing. <laughs> so. Well, you know, I read an article in Billboard magazine, and what it did is it looked at the billions of dollars that are being generated by the music industry and looked at what came back to the artists. And they they pretty much stated that only 12% of all the incoming revenue from the music industry actually gets to the artists themselves. And let's face it, record companies have been screwing over artists for decades, um, you know, since the beginning of record companies, they've been screwing artists. But it's even worse now because not only the artists getting screwed, but so are the record companies. Everybody's getting kind of hammered by these streaming services. And, you know, we really need to have some new kind of industry standard, something that changes things. 
And one of the big buzzwords that I'm hearing lately is decentralized music industry. And what they're referring to is that there are new streaming services that have been developed on the blockchain, which is this technology that um, that they use for cryptocurrency to decentralize right. currency throughout the world. And right. no one company can own these streaming services. It's almost the direct connection between artists and fans. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The incoming revenue comes in. Some of it is used to uh, allow for the network or the nodes within the network to get paid for you know their their mining operations, if you want to call it that. And the rest of it goes back to to the to the artist. And what they're saying is that they can give the artist up to eighty to ninety percent of the incoming revenue back to that those creators and they're wow. in control of their product of their their stuff um, right you know and there's you know a couple of those services that are up there right now is uh audius.co and um and emanate which are two streaming services that are based on this blockchain and then you have this new thing where um, it's called Royal.io, where artists create these non-fungible tokens that represent a small portion of their streaming royalties. Um, to give right. an example, Naz, the, the rapper, uh, he created um, the, enough NFTs to represent one half of the royalties for two songs and it's like 0.15 percent on each one of them and he sold it to his fan base and he was able to generate almost six hundred thousand dollars in upfront <coughs> income in addition in addition the he got himself almost three thousand fans that now have a vested interest in making sure that his music is streamed so, That's interesting because they have an economic interest in it, and to right, top right. that off, every time because now these tokens are are on an open market, so you can resell them, and because of the way they are situated and they're all bound to these smart contracts, every time someone sells one of these NFTs, Nas gets a percentage of that resale forever right, right. in perpetuity so it's almost like selling stocks with a commission going to the original um issuer of the stock for that's an that's an interesting interesting angle of uh uh using nfts the only, the only thing you hear about um, is, or at least that i've heard about is the artwork right uh that, that's been set up the things like that um, and as far as the uh, uh, the blockchain and how that that works with the uh, you know with financial transactions and things like that, but yeah, so but yeah, so many things do do seem to be moving to that, which tells which just lets you know that there's there's money there, there's money to be made that the artist just doesn't seem to have access to right now. Um, 
part, part of what, when we were doing our, when we were setting up our CD, and I'm going through the royalty portion of that through, uh, it's being distributed through uh, CD Baby. But there's, there's performance and, com- and composer and songwriter and publisher and all these various things that do generate income. And if you don't set yourself up to receive those, that money is left on the table. The artist does not see those. And, that, and there's so many different levels of that that the independent artist has no idea about. I mean, just, just getting the knowledge of that, of that stuff about what's available to an independent artist now would, would be incredibly helpful. I think artists are probably leaving stuff on the table that would, they would just they'd beat themselves over the head about if they knew it. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, you, uh, you've got to register with Sound Exchange. You, you need to get your, yourself registered up with the PROs. Um, yes. The one you're, you're with. Uh, and yes. you have to stay on top of the PROs because they really, um, as, as good as they are, and as important they are for songwriters, they unfortunately do not properly represent independent artists. Um, in that, I'm saying is that ASCAP, BMI, they'll go around to all of these clubs, collect all this money from these clubs, saying, you know, you're playing music that we represent, yet. A lot of times, the artists that are that are having their music performed in these venues are not sampled. They're not getting the revenue from these clubs. Correct. You know, Correct. and that's now, really collecting under false pretenses. It all goes to that top, you know, five ten percent of who's making it on the radio. You know what I mean? Right. 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 So you it's, know, uh, that system needs to be revamped. Yes. Yes, it's 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 tough out there. I mean, it's, it, and just in general, for with just the cost of doing anything, it is it is just so tough for for people to get a product out there. Okay. So uh, and and once it's out there, to get it to get it heard, and to get and to get and to get some some kind of compensation for what you're doing and and, and everything. It's well, but I guess it's uh, you yeah. know. If it was if it was really easy, everybody would be doing it because playing music is the best thing, it's the best job in the world. So, well, you know, one of the things you had mentioned earlier about the pandemic, because um, it really changed a lot of things, and one of the biggest changes that I saw uh, that came out of this pandemic is this whole world of content creation and social media marketing. A lot of artists, when the pandemic hit got real panicking and they they started doing live streams and that evolved into creating content that you know you could put up on a on a consistent basis whether it's a music video or you know scenes behind behind the scenes you know uh, some were creating videos of their puppies babies and kittens or you know, they, right. they do gardening or they do hiking or they do cooking or whatever the case may be. And the fans really gravitated to this because, I mean, think about it. We have been inundated with reality shows for over 30 years. <laughs> so this content is really in the wheelhouse of most fans. They want to have that intimate kind of knowledge 
about the artist they listen to. They want to have that connection, you know, of 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 knowing, you know, you know that you have a a um, you know a treadmill that you hang your laundry on in your, you know, your living room. <laughs> You know, you know that you have I, I, a plastic potted palm. You know, they they right, want to know right. that. It's I I took a real treat out of of checking, and again I, I go back to YouTube because I just think that's that, that's a source of just so much great stuff uh, musically and otherwise. But um, but I check in, and all of a sudden there's a there's a new clip of Larry Carlton from his home studio playing playing along with of one of his tracks and it was just so cool just to see how he has a studio set up and and just to just to see and kind of watch how he does how he performs and and really how he kind of how he kind of plays a song because he's got the camera set up just so you can see exactly what he's doing i it's funny i remember trying to learn songs back you know, 40 years ago when you're when you're moving the needle off the off the record and trying to you know replay that and replay that so you can learn that that little bit and now it's just there's everything out there that that you need so it's, again it's 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 independent artists putting putting great content out there people people digging it it's it's a great thing I, can can the artist in some way get some kind of money out of that I don't know I hope so. Well, I mean, you know, um, you can make money off TikTok. You can make money off of YouTube. You can make money off, off YouTube, of, right. uh, you know, Instagram. You know, all of that becomes part of your marketing plan, your brand. Yes. You know what I mean? Because I think the brand yeah. has become the new product. You know, you need to brand yourself in such a way that people can connect to your authenticity and connect to you at the human level so they can really appreciate you at the musical level. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, you know what's great is uh, uh, when people come and uh, they'll take, like, video clips of, of a gig or something like that, and then just touch and then just come up to you and say, hey, I caught this. Would you like this? Would you like to see it? I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely get that from them, put it up on, on my website, uh, RonKramer.com and, and put up a clip where they can see it and uh, and it's great they'll they'll get a kick out of it and it's just it's it, it's great to have people come out and just capture whatever you know whatever they might find is uh, is really striking them. Okay, well you know I'm, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us and uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> Richard, thank you so much. Nah, no problem.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
It's been a hard, hard case A hard, hard case Of the blues
Some called it stubborn I called it strong will Won't have no man Tell me what to do And if it tries It didn't think things through I take out the trash I pay my own bills This house is my castle I'm queen of the hill Riding up on his steed His advice I just don't need And if he wants to kick it He can feel free Long as he knows I just gotta be me I do my own laundry I pay my own bills My house is my Queen of the Hill Agenda. You 
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Try it like this. Climb into a bottle, tossed into the sea. I'll step on your shower with a message right inside of me.
Pirsche Flicker Und mein Telefon baut Sky's cracking in time the color of coal Seeing everywhere With an electric stare Waving wires up into your head Fell from the sun 
just me and you
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues? You've been coming around here a lot lately Think you want a little taste of this life Think you're trying to steal my spot Or you gonna have to do a lot more than spy You've been messing with everybody else But you ain't got me wrapped around that smile And it's why Cause you already fooled me And my brother too And your old best friend And I know you fooled his girlfriend too And now we see The game is up Now we've seen your hair And ain't nobody playing Now who's the fool? My mama told me so You get a little lucky in life Here just to suck your soul Looking like friends right before you fall You always seemed a little off to me But everybody told me it was fine Till we caught you lying
this morning And sat on the side of the bed He said, I'm leaving you, baby And this is just what I said I said, I can't make you stay if you want to go But it's high time you should know
Don't you know that I love you
bent on feeling good Feeling good, feeling good All the money in the world spent on feeling good
Well, that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Things left home with my friend that gone lost my dog I'm alone Just fought somebody And he found it funny I got knocked in the head man by old friends not lying here think I'm dead Drink so long Gonna drink for the old damn time Gonna keep back every seat Till I can handle it See bombs up to me things drink for Let's go.